This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston, and we're at the studios at Nebraska Christian Schools. For today's chapel, we had our guest speaker, Frank Rodriguez. Frank has been a pastor serving as a translator at Highland Park Church in Columbus, Nebraska, the last few years. Frank was our guest speaker at chapel. Well, Josh, as we start out, I'm just wondering if you could share with our listeners some of the things that you're looking forward to this school year. Gordon, we have about 210 students this year, and they come from 28 different communities in Nebraska and six different countries from around the world. That mix of students is tremendous. We get a chance to share biblical truth every day through through math curriculum, through social studies curriculum, through all of the curriculums, and really take the gospel message and, and take what students are learning in their churches and in their families and really partner with those with those homes and those churches. Well, we have a unique campus because of that mix of students, and I know we have students that will drive 45 minutes to an hour. We have communities like Columbus, Grand Island, Sutton that will drive, and we're just near Central City, Nebraska, but we also have that international population, so we have a dormitory, so the kids that are probably within an hour of driving distance, they usually drive or carpool, but we do have students from other parts of Nebraska who can't carpool, they're too far, and we have a unique situation here at Nebraska Christian that we have a four-day school week which actually I think is helpful for parents to know that if they are maybe not in this community to know that the three-day weekend is helpful. Could you share a little bit about that uniqueness about our school? Yeah, Gordon, I I think that really helps us with other students from across the state of Nebraska because we are a four-day school week. They They can be at home half of the week with their families and then come study at Nebraska Christian the other half, and they get a chance to live in the dorms. They're discipled throughout the day, and then they have a chance to experience a little bit of independence, a little bit of taking care of themselves. We have dorm parents that uh, love on those kids, and it's just a neat environment as we watch kids grow, mentor the younger kids, our juniors and seniors in the dorm. They they help lead Bible studies or help tutor in the evenings. They're just some really neat things that happen because of those dorms and relationships that form. And this school, when it was founded, it was predominantly dorm students, and and that has changed over the years. Could you share with the listeners where some of our international students are from and how they get here? Yeah, our international students come to us from from mostly Asian countries. We have students from South Korea, China, Taiwan, Vietnam, Thailand. We've had students from Hong Kong in the past, and we also have students this year from Japan. We do travel twice a year to those countries and meet with their parents of current students, but we also talk to parents of potential students. There are businesses overseas that do help families find the right fit for their high school students. And so we do work with some of those agents to help find students. We like to try to interview our students, so we'll use Skype if we can't meet them in person. But it really is, it's a neat way to show the love of Christ to students who maybe haven't heard of Christ as they come here. And so the students from Asia really enrich our campus. It's, it's not very many places in Nebraska that kids can have friends from China and Vietnam and Thailand. In fact, Gordon, some of our students will even in the summer travel overseas and spend two or three weeks with friends and get to see another part of the world. And then I'm excited because our students, they are learning how to be ambassadors, right here in Central City, Nebraska, to the rest of the world, how to use their influence for Christ. And, you know, not all of our students will become pastors or missionaries, and and some do, but we want to help them to be leaders 
wherever God places him, whether it's in business, whether it's in education or medicine or, or farming or, or whatever it is, to, to be leaders. And I just think that's a great chance for all of our students to practice those skills when we have that type of diversity. So what's the best way for a parent or a prospective student to find out more information about Nebraska Christian schools? You can go to nebraskachristian.org, O-R-G, online. We also have a Facebook page. In the spring, we try to have a, a visitation day where we invite uh, prospective students and their families, or even if they just want to know more about Nebraska Christian, to come onto campus for a day, take tours, see what some of the classes are like. Obviously, you can, you can call us as well, but using our, our webpage, nebraskachristian.org, would probably be the best way. We have a lot of information on that page and other contact possibilities. Let's join Pastor Frank with today's message. It's always a privilege and honor to be here. I'm always excited. One of the things that I never seen and uh, never gets old every time I get an opportunity to talk and speak, the butterflies are always on my stomach, I tell you. There's always about thousands of them. But every time I hear a song like this about a God who's so mighty, all I do is embrace the cross and let him take over. So with that, I want to ask you to uh, turn your Bibles to Luke 10, verses 25. We're going to go through the parable of the Good Samaritan. I have spoken before about this parable. I have spoken about... This instance and where we hear a lot about meeting the need and what's it like. And uh, Jesus gives us a clear example of what is really meeting the need. And in this case, this has been probably my model. I fashion my life after this, this parable. Not that I don't care for the other books. The other books are important. But this parable here, it's always spoken to me very clearly. Because when I started a long time ago... <laughs> At the, in California, when I accepted Christ, those very first six years, that's all I did. I served, and I tried to do the best I can, and I could. And um, I found joy in doing that. But people would come and tell me how great I was serving. Well, it went to my head. And there was no humbleness in me until I got a hold of this. And the Lord brought me to my knees. He showed me the hard way. Never, never, ever to boast on your service. Because it's not you and it's not me. It's him. We're instruments in his hands, right? We're tools in his hands, right? And whatever we do, we do in his name, not in our own name. And that's one of the things that sometimes when we pick up this book, and as it says right here, we need to know where Jesus wants us. And we need to humble ourselves in that cross. Because whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. In this particular case, in uh, verses 1, we see how the Lord is preparing his, uh, his announcement. He announces. He sends 70 guys. He's got a good crowd. He's got a good following. So he picks and chooses. So he picks 70 guys. And he sends them in pairs. And he goes, go to Jerusalem and announce that I'm coming. Well, guess what's going to happen? He's going to get a crowd, right? And he's going to get the antagonists too. The one who's going to receive him and also the antagonists. The one who's always trying to corner him. The, always, the one who put him against the wall. The ones who always want to challenge him. And Jesus knows that. 
And he's got people, and he's, and he's speaking. And he goes from verses 2 all the way to 24, and he's, you know, teaching as he always does. And among them, on 25, we see that somebody, he says, Behold, a certain lawyer, you follow. A, a, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test. So he was among them. He must have been sitting down, obviously. And he said, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's it written in the law? How does it read to you? And he said, and he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. The mind there was, in some manuscripts, they add on that, that mind. They put a, but if you go to the, the, uh, the existing manuscripts, it only stops at strength. But somebody add on that. And so we adopted that one too. And it's rightly so. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live, he says. But wishing to justify himself, he says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, a certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed him by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed him by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out to Denary and gave him to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hand? And he said, The one who showed mercy towards him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. But this guy, this lawyer, a scribe, was trying to put him to a test, was trying to show off. Now, this lawyer, or scribe, supposedly was an expert in the law of God. He answered and summed up the requirements of the law. In verses 28, do us not live. It says that it's a golden rule. It's the promise of the law. But since no sinner can obey perfectly, the impossible demands of the law are meant to drive us to seek divine mercy. We can read this in Galatians 3, 10, 13, and 22, 25. This man should have responded with confession of his own guilt rather than justification. He was not only one. He was not the only one. The Pharisees had the same justification and attitude. The so-called keepers and protectors of the law. They were more than to do as I said, not as I do. Verse 29 says, the desire to justify themselves reveals this man's self-righteous character. Who's my neighbor, he says. I think he was using a sarcastic tone. Who's my neighbor? Scribes and Pharisees' opinion of sinners was to condemn them, not to offer salvation or repentance, but to castigate and judge them. Tax collectors, prostitutes, Gentiles, and especially Samaritans were to be hated because they were enemies of God. Their basis decided Psalms 139. 21, 22, to justify their position. You can read that later. They completely bypassed Matthew 5, 43, 45, and Luke 6, 27, 36. Let's turn to there. We'll just only read Matthew 5, 43, 45. I'll read them to you. You have heard that what I said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for the causes. He causes the sun, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the, uh, and the unrighteous. 
For, you, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're not perfect, but we strive to be perfect. And it's a similar thing in Luke 6. They ignored Jesus' teaching as to say we have our own interpretation of the law. No wonder Jesus called them out because of their weakness in their heart and their hardness of heart. You leeches, you brutal vipers, he used to tell them, hypocrites. Well, you get the picture. And this is the position of this scribe, this lawyer. And yet, when he's trying to justify himself, I think Jesus' tone kind of mellowed down, and he was ready to teach this guy a lesson. Or, more or less, he was trying to make him understand and open his eye. We read that a certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a stretch of, of roads. They calculate 17 miles that uh, was treacherous. It was up and down curve. It had hills on the side, rocks on the side, and it, and it was well known. The robbers and thieves always hid behind those hills and those rocks to ambush innocent people and rob them. And that was something that Jesus knows. See, this parable, although it's just a parable, is very much goes with reality. It talks about reality. He's describing things that are actual, that are actual, that exist. So all he's bringing about, he's putting in two guys that are from the same club, described Levite and, and, and priest, and then he brings a thorn on his side by calling and mentioning this good Samaritan, this Samaritan. Okay, they were hated by them. So these guys come, went by this poor wounded fella. He's right there on the side. He's beaten. He's been robbed, half naked, right? And they get by him. They went by him. They ignore him. And we ask ourselves a question. How come they didn't stop and help? What is the reason they didn't stop and help, right? They're the keepers of the law. They're the protectors of the law. They know the law, right? You will think that there's a responsibility and obligation to do that. But no, they ignore him. And we ask ourselves, why not? It's attitudes, right? We can say we had an attitude. What's the kind of attitude they have? Well, we can come with excuses. You know, maybe, maybe they uh, were apprehensive. Could be that that guy right laying there, he's getting what he, you know, what he deserved. We don't want to stick our nose where it don't belong, right? We come up with excuses not to help. Kind of like that. Uh, could be that uh, they were afraid. They were afraid. Hey, they might be hiding behind those rocks. They might be hiding behind those hills. They beaten him. You're next. I'm next. And they made a V-line. And boom. Eat my dust. They leave him there. Right? Could be also. Maybe they were cruel. Maybe they were cruel. I'm going to be 32 years serving the Lord since I became a Christian. I've been around. I've been around that to have seen, heard, and witnessed that Christians can be cruel. Don't be surprised because we find this kind of people. And we can be cruel sometimes. You know why I say that? Because I have done it. I have done it till the Lord brought me to my knees. It can be that they, weren't, they were not sympathetic. They were apathetic. Maybe they didn't care. 
Maybe they didn't care. Maybe it's one of those, it's not my problem, it's your problem, you got yourself in this mess, get out of it. Have you ever come across somebody who needs your help and you don't have time for them? You don't lend a, a, an ear for them? Maybe a shoulder, you know, to cry on among yourselves? Are we too busy not to listen to one another? And I'm telling you as much as I'm telling myself. Not only for those who's going to get uh, graduate and go into that world and follow your, 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 your destiny or whatever God has in store for you, but don't forget the wounded fella. Don't forget the needy. That is so important in today's world. It's getting such, be such a mess, right? So these guys had their reasons why they didn't stop. Now let's get to the Samaritan. A certain Samaritan. What kind of guy? What kind of Samaritan? Just somebody. This guy that was supposed to be an enemy of the Lord, this guy that who was neither here nor there, okay? This nobody, he stops. Out of the three, who was the busiest? This guy. He was on a journey. And he stops. And he sees this guy. And what is the first thing that comes to him? Compassion. Compassion. He's on his horse, he's on his journey. I don't know if he had an entourage, I don't know, camels, mules, uh, horses. But we know that he was carrying a cargo, right? And he sees this guy and he says, gotta help him. I'm gonna stop to help this guy. And that's what he did. And it says right here that uh, he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. We know that he was ready because he had a first aid kit with him. And you can read between the lines. Maybe when he was picking him up, he had tears in his eye. Maybe when he was picking him up, he felt that mercy, that compassion. He was grieving over this guy. Pastor MacArthur puts it this way. The truly righteous person's hatred for sinners is not a malevolent enmity. It is a righteous abhorrence of all that is base and corrupt, not a spiteful personal loathing of individuals. Godly hatred is marked by a broken heart grieving over the condition of the sinner. And as Jesus thought here and elsewhere, Luke 6, Matthew 5, it is also tempered by genuine love. The Pharisees had, had elevated hostility toward the wicked to the status of virtue. In effect, nullifying the second great commandment. Jesus answered to this Lord, demolish the first cycle excuse for hating one's enemies. And that's what we do. We don't take it personal when we see somebody on, on and out, somebody who's out of, uh, out of the faith. We don't go and judge them. We don't point the finger and judge them because of the circumstances or, or what they're going through. We don't take it personal. We don't do that. We hate the sin, but we love and pray for the sinner. Keep that in mind. You know that. You know that. How's it read to you? How's it read to me? This is how's it read to us, what Jesus is trying to tell us. And said that he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn. Not a motel six or a motel eight. I stay in a lot of those. Some of them are real dumps, but, you know, what can you do? And the next day he took out two denarii. We know that he was a wealthy man because he carried denarii. And I understand that that's gold. You understand that that's gold. And gave him to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. That's love. That's love. Here's a, a, a blank check. I'm just going to sign it. I'm going to hand it to you. Here's my visa card. Here's my master charge. Okay? You take care of him. 
And it says right here, he says on the next day. In other words, he spent the night there. He spent the night there. We don't know. We don't know if the guy broke in a fever or, or, or he had other problems. But he made sure. He stayed with him. Tending him. I'm pretty sure he didn't sleep. I'm pretty sure he, that his main concern was him. It's not the well-being of us, but the well-being of others, right? That's what service is all about. That's what meeting the need is all about. And this guy was going all out. He didn't care for him. He cared for him, for the other guy, the wounded guy. He said, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. He's coming back. He's retracting. He says, I'm coming back. I want to make sure that this guy, this guy is okay. That this guy is going to be able to walk out of here in good shape. He's going to make sure of that. And he says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hand? And of course this man answered, the one who showed mercy towards him, the only right answer he did, the only right thing he did, he answered correctly. As he answered before, but now he's answering where the matter really, really is the most important. Mercy. He showed mercy. And he says, the one who showed mercy. Go and do the same. Go and do the same. We do that. We go out into this world and represent our Lord, our maker. And we go out and we meet the need. Now, this day and following week, you're going to go about your business. You're going to go and fulfill your obligations and your responsibilities that have here at school to your mom and dad, adults, teaching, me, driving, doing whatever. And we're going to come to something unexpected, something that we didn't plan, something we were not thinking about. I always do that. Driving has offered me an opportunity at the truck stops to share my faith. I, Lord always opens those opportunities. And one way or another, I find myself speaking and talking to these guys. Some of them kind of shy away, and some of them open up. But it's not my doing. It's God's doing, see? And that is not... I didn't prepare. I didn't, I didn't plan on it. But God is opening those opportunities. We are going to come across some wounded guy, some beaten guy, either by life or by somebody else. And he's going to be there half naked. And we're going to come upon him. And there's going to be an opportunity. And he's going to be in need of help, our help. And we're going to do two things. Will we stop and help him? Or we turn around and walk the way. I pray that we do the right thing. And another thing that I have learned too throughout the years is dumping people. Dumping on somebody. You find a hobo, <laughs> uh, you know, a guy in need, and we take it somewhere else. Brother Cupstone, he, 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 here's this poor guy, uh, Coach Gordon, here's this guy, you know, you, you know, I told him about you, take care of him, you know, I mean, I told him that you are a Christian guy, and, and I, I don't have time, and, you know, you, you take care of him, I, I'll talk to you later, my people talk to you, and we'll get together with lunch, and blah, 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 and then we leave, and all we did is dump him, that's what we do, right, because we don't want the responsibility, it's cranking our style. I don't have time. Right? We are a generation of busy, busy people. Yes or no? 
Yes or no? We are. Everything is a timetable. Everything is on the clock. Like right now. My time is almost up. I can see that hook coming, you know. <laughs> and if I don't hurry up, somebody's got a fruit basket or a vegetable basket. I just duck, you know. Used to be a soccer player, you know. So I know. But it's always good to see, and you know? it's always positive when you don't see those baskets, you know. So. But I guess the message is clear. There's no denying. There's a message for all of us. And as you grow and mature in the Word, don't bypass Matthew 5 or Luke 6. Store it in your heart. Grave it in your heart. Keep it there. Always make time for the needy, guys. Among yourself. I'm directing this to you. Among yourself. Sometimes it's hard to talk to somebody and open up, right? It's hard to find somebody who will listen to you, right? I mean, if you can't talk to your friends or your mom and dad, whatever, well, you know, you're always going to have somebody that we're willing to listen to you. You got a problem? You got a, something that's going on in your life? Right here, right now? Hey, look for help. Get down on your knees, pray, and the Lord will send that saint, that fella in your, in your, in your, in your path. And that's what we want to do, okay? Don't shy away. Don't carry it with you, all right? Well, so much to say. Time's up. But just a reminder. Remember that wounded fella. Remember that needy guy. And we're not here to castigate people. Point the finger because some gal got pregnant out of wedlock. And you're, you know, around your age. Or some guy's on drugs or whatever. And all we do is get our circle of friends and point the finger. So dumb. She should have known better. She should have known better. Get herself pregnant. Oh, that guy is no good for nothing. Look at the people he's hanging around with. We shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be doing that. Let's go and lend a helping hand. Let's, 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 let's put our arms around them and offer our help. And it doesn't say that we need to give him a lecture. Samaritan didn't give him a lecture. He just saw the need and he went up there and he just felt compassion. Let's have more compassion. Let's have mercy. Okay, let's love the down and out. Let's share those blessings that the Lord has poured on us. And share those blessings and open the window of opportunity so those guys can someday, some way, somehow, because of your action, they saw Jesus through you. Let's live godly lives. Let's live holy. Our aim is the cross. Just remember, he went and died on the cross and he gave us the most important thing that we need. He gave us life. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says that the life he gave, he gave for all. For all of us, okay? We don't live for ourselves. We no longer live in ourselves. The life we live now is in him. Through him, by him. And that's why we do what we do. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercies, your blessings. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you have given us the opportunity to join the Great Commission and go and spread the gospel and reach out for the needy. I pray, Father, that we will make the right decision this coming days. I pray that you will give us wisdom to hope, to, to, to help, and, 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 and meet that need. It's not about 
just having a feeling about somebody, but that the love is simply this, that their needs and their wants are more important than ours, that their well-being are more important than ours. Let us keep that in mind, and let us keep going forward, giving you glory for all we do, well, for everything we do, no matter what we do. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to a message by Frank Rodriguez. He serves as a pastor, a translator at Highland Park Church in Columbus, Nebraska. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Mm-hmm.